morning everybody and welcome back i say good morning maybe it's good afternoon or good evening or good whatever but it is monday march the 13th 2023 i don't know when you're going to find this it's going to be posted at 6 a.m it's actually sunday afternoon here in the sanctuary and it is a winter wonderland up at old providence it's still snowing out there though the flakes are much smaller than they were beautiful oh it's beautiful it's so good to be back home um thank you for your prayers and for your understanding as amanda and i were out of town portugal <clears throat> several people have asked already such a pleasant surprise i mean really i, I didn't exactly know what to suspect I, I think i shared with you before that you know somebody said why portugal well, because we had booked flights back when COVID first started, couldn't go. Um, we'd been sitting on these vouchers for years at this point. And finally, we got an email saying, if you don't use these vouchers, you're going to lose these vouchers. So Amanda got on the phone and said, well, where can we go that we don't have to pay anything? That it's just, you know, just use the vouchers themselves. They said, you can go to Portugal. And so we said, let's go to Portugal. Right. Never been to Portugal. Used to be the wealthiest uh, nation in the world. Seen pictures. Um, but really, it's a fascinating place. There are parts of Portugal that look very much like the valley here. There are parts of Portugal that look very much like South Africa. There are parts of Portugal that look very much like Hawaii. I mean, you know, you could go on and on with this, but remarkable place. I would say it's surprising because it was Genuinely, I think it's the cleanest country I've been to in Europe. Um, well, I say that, it, it, you know, not like Switzerland or whatever, but it, but really, though, extremely clean, extremely cheap, right? The euro goes a lot further there than any place else I've been in Europe. And so anyway, there are other reasons, but fascinating place. So I will say this, and I made note of this this morning in the sermon. It's apparent that the Protestant Reformation never really made it there in full force. I mean, not only do you find Roman Catholicism everywhere, you start finding weird Roman Catholicism in places. I think that uh, if you're Facebook friends with me, you might have seen some of the pictures from the Chapel of Bones in Evora, Portugal. Um, and it even says it outside. It says that this chapel was built by the cult of purgatory, right? It was a cult within Roman Catholicism. Um, you know, the, still the Dark Ages in terms of religion in many ways, but... Nevertheless, um, we actually met a fellow believer that was giving us a tour, and I've exchanged information with him. And um, it's fascinating as he as he was driving us around. This was actually in Lisbon, but as we were going around Lisbon, he was pointing out different things like uh, this is the Lady of the Mountain, and there's a special chair that you can sit on in order to get pregnant. I told Amanda, you stay away from that chair. But nevertheless, he, he then went on to talk about you know obviously the superstitious side of things. He talked a lot about how a lot of what Roman Catholicism does is for money. And so we, we kind of had a meeting of the minds there. And um, so I'm actually a pastor. And so anyway, really, really fascinating stuff. But thank you for your prayers. It is great to be back with y'all this morning or afternoon or whenever you happen to find this. It's great to be back also because of where we picked up. If you recall, the last time we were together, I think that the title I put on Sermon Audio was The Crowd Reacts. We had started Acts chapter 2, 
Of course, the apostles had received the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. Now, it was known languages. If you recall, if you go back, you find this list starting in verse 9, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia. It lists off all these different people that have come there for the Feast of Weeks, right? And they all speak different languages. And yet, in the morning, they hear their own language. You can only imagine. Not to mention that they probably heard some of the commotion with the Holy Spirit coming, too. Um, some of them were amazed. Some of them, verse 12, Acts chapter 2, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine goes to show you that in 2,000 years, some things never change, including the reaction um, to, to the Spirit's work and that sort of thing. So that was where we left things with the crowd reacting. But now we will hear Peter's response. So let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please be with us now as we come to this chapter, this, this portion that out of the entirety of your word is so fundamental so incredibly important to the history of your church, to, to how you've worked, important to our understanding of how salvation works. And what is taught here is so valuable. What took place here? Oh, fundamental. So help us to appreciate what we're reading. Help us to grasp what we're reading. Help us to evaluate ourselves in light of what we are reading. And Father, help us to live in light of what you showed to us. So please, show to us what you would have by your Holy Spirit and guide us in this time. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're picking up in Acts chapter 2. I just read verse 13 where the people said, eh, they've had too much wine. But verse 14 of Acts chapter 2 is where we pick up. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Verse 15, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, pause for just a second here. Let's go ahead and address what Peter is doing. Peter is the one that has stood up. Should it be any surprise? Isn't Peter always the one out of the apostles, out of the disciples that stands up? It's no different here, but we see that Peter isn't standing up here as, say, he would in Mark chapter 8, right? Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is making the turn. He asks, who do people say I am? You know, the disciples respond to Jesus when he asks that, and some say the prophets, one say, oh, like Jeremiah, Elijah, you know, that sort of thing. And then when Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? You, know, you go from the disciples answering that question, and then Peter's the only one that stands up. Now, that's for many reasons, and I don't want to, to build a theological construct after Peter and, and his being outspoken. But understand this. Peter is the one that speaks here, not just because he's Peter, y'all and not because he's the Pope, and not because of all the other things you might suppose. It is simply that the Holy Spirit has worked in Peter's heart. And so Peter will be the one that speaks. Doesn't mean that Peter is higher than the other apostles. 
doesn't mean that he has this place of dominance over them. It doesn't mean that he's the new Jesus and he's their leader. Nope, doesn't mean any of that. It simply means that Peter was the one in whose heart the Lord worked. The Holy Spirit was speaking through Peter. And it's fascinating what he says here. He, he addresses the fact that there's people there from all over the place. But you'll notice he calls them fellow Jews. That's important. It's important because of how things will progress with the early church. But he addresses them as fellow Jews. And then everybody that lives in Jerusalem, he says, let me explain what's happening there. And then he knows. You know, it's, it's, it's very akin to what happened with Jesus, right? Lots of times Jesus would be addressing people. And Jesus would answer the question that people had before they had ever even asked it. Or the accusation people are making before they ever accused it. It's very much the same with Peter here. Why? It's not because he's the new Messiah. It's because the Holy Spirit is working through him. He knows what has been said. He knows what people think. He, he knows that the people think that they're drunk. And he cites the fact, hey, listen, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, right? And he proceeds from there with this. He says, no, about being drunk. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, you'll notice that what Peter does is quote scripture here. A principle is revealed. The power is always in the word of God. Power is always in the word of God. I'm, I'm in the sanctuary right now. In fact, I'll, I'll venture to do this. The, uh, the pulpit is right there behind me that I preached from this morning. And I'm, I've got everything set up right here, the, the communion table area. But nevertheless, the power is always God's word. The best part of any sermon that I ever preach is the reading of God's word, because it is through the word of God that God always works, whether it's in creation, right? He spoke all things into existence, whether it's in redemption, Jesus Christ, the logos, the word that was with us, right? Made his dwelling among us, the word that was with God and was God from the beginning. It's always the power of the word. And who Peter quotes is fascinating here. He quotes Joel. And in verse 17, he says, no, this was, excuse me, verse 16, no. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he proceeds to quote. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is how Peter begins. He's bringing up the fact that what's happening right then, right there in time and space, they are witnessing the evidence of the end times. Now, we have to be oh so careful with this, y'all. Oh so careful. Because let's just be fair, let's be blunt and honest. There is a connotation attached to the end times. You see special programs about it. There's a new book 
every week about it. I mean, look, there's stuff that happens all the time and people are like, aha, you know, that's that's what this is. Did you hear about what happened with Russia? Did you hear about what happened with China? Or, hey, look at this in India over there. It's always fascinating. A lot of this stuff comes out of America. And if you really want to see some end time stuff, look at what's going on here. Okay. You know, that great whore of Babylon thing. If you're trying to find the United States in the book of Revelation, and I'm not encouraging you to do that, but if you want to find it, we ain't the good guys. Okay. Just, and it's not because I hate America. Y'all, y'all ought to know me by now. I love America. You know, it's, it's the greatest country on earth. And I know I do a lot of traveling, but really and truly, I love America. This is not about hating America. It's about getting real about what's going on. But nevertheless, this end time stuff is a hot topic, y'all. Lots and lots of programs about it. You know, the Left Behind series didn't help very much at all because there's some stuff in there that, my goodness. Anyway, I'm, I'm not even going there today. What I'm simply pointing out is that Peter says to everybody there, hey, look, you know, the day of the Lord, which is what he's referring to there, the sun and you know, all these different things. This is the day of Lord. And what Peter is doing here is the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus, more than anything else, do you realize the number one thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else is the kingdom of God. And he talked about it in light of two aspects. Number one, that the kingdom of God was there. But also the kingdom of God is coming. There's lots of names for this, right? But I like the already not yet principle. You see it all throughout the New Testament, right? All throughout God's word, where it talks about the day of the Lord, which very clearly that's what Joel is talking about. How this day is coming, this final day of judgment, where everything wrong is going to be made right. That's the day of the Lord, y'all. And it's coming. But at the same time, it's already here. Um, Peter speaks of it as if it's there. He still talks about it like it's coming, but but he's saying it, it's, it's here right now. And the reason he's saying that is because of this principle in verse 21. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter's saying it's already here, but it's still coming. The author of Hebrews would do the exact same thing, by the way. He'd talk about how the people couldn't leave Jesus, but instead they had to turn to Christ. They had to do it today while the day is still called today. It's that principle of, hey, the end times are here, y'all. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back very soon. So this isn't about what's going to happen one day. The end of days is here. It is right now. The full culmination of it's coming. Right? It, it, it's coming, but it's here. And the overarching principle that Peter applies in light of this is, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And now he digs in to the ones that are asking the questions, the ones that are accusing them of being drunk. But he starts with the premise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's that concept that I'm going to end with in verse 21 for today. We'll pick up in verse 22 tomorrow. Y'all, do you realize the nature of this life that we're living? I, I talked about it today. The reality is, is that eternity is coming real quick. Oh, it's real quick. We don't even have a, a concept of how quick it is because we're, we're finite creatures, right? The way that we view time is so linear. 
But the reality is, is that eternity might just be outside that doorstep. I, I got to drive home. I might get in a car accident and die between here and the manse. I pray that I don't. I don't think that I will. But hey, none of us knows what tomorrow holds. You or I might have some disease growing inside us that might take us out. We don't know. We don't know. We make so many assumptions about the nature of this life that we lead. The number one wrong assumption is that we're just going to have more and more time. There's always more time. Y'all, every single day, people find out there's not always more time. Every day. They started their day just like you did, thinking that every day, that this day is going to be just like yesterday and just like tomorrow's going to be. None of us know. And the reality is, is that either we will die and go to judgment or Jesus will come back and he'll judge. As I said this morning, we need to pray for the first. Right. And, and I know this morning, realize I'm recording this on Sunday, March the 12th. But we need to pray that Jesus would come back. Right. The word tells us to. Plus, there's nothing wrong that Jesus coming back and going to make right. So we need to pray for that. But if he comes back, he's going to judge us. Right. And when we stand before judgment, we'll either be judged based on his righteousness and the fact that we belong to him and have trusted in him alone or we'll be judged on what we've done. That, that's it. Or if Jesus doesn't come back and, and you and I die, we'll go to judgment then and we'll be judged on, you guessed it, whether we're covered in, in, in the perfect righteousness of Christ, trusting in him alone, or we pay our own way. Right? And if you're not covered by Christ, you're, you're gone. You have no hope for eternity. And in the same way, don't we see the signs of the end times? You know, I realize that this was written 2,000 years ago, but what's 2,000 years? And furthermore, if it was the end of times, the last days 2,000 years ago, what do you think that means about today? Y'all, Jesus is coming back, and it may be a whole lot sooner than we think. But this idea presented here that this eventuality is coming, along with the promise that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you done that? Now, I know, you know, it can be, it can be confusing. It can be tricky. But have you ever really submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you ever gone to him and confessed your sins? Have you ever asked him to be Lord of your life? Because, y'all, we got a whole lot of people out here who know about Jesus, but they don't know him. They believe things about Jesus, but they don't really trust in him. Is that you? If so, wow. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, according to verse 21. You need to make things right with the Lord. Or if you don't believe. In Jesus, if you flat out know, no, nah, I don't belong to him. Take the time and make it right. For all these things that Peter said is true. Now, application is a little bit different, obviously, you know, the, but still, you know, who, who are we to limit the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works? And I will say this much, too, and I'm not going to I want to be very careful not to foray into the gifts. OK, Um I've learned over time that delving into the depths of spiritual gifts when people don't know the Holy Spirit is a dangerous thing to do. And I don't want to turn all of you into Simon the Sorcerer, right? Um, and you're saying, who is Simon the Sorcerer? We're going to get there. All right. We're going to get there. But 
y'all realize that the Lord is working powerfully. He's working powerfully here at Old Providence. People are coming to know the Lord, right? People that, that didn't are coming to know him. He's working powerfully in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But if you leave the United States, my goodness, the things that are happening, y'all, looks a lot like what's been said here. So the time is coming. And your time may be coming even quicker than the time of the Lord. Make the commitment to examine yourself. Make the commitment to examine whether or not you're really trusting in Jesus. And remember, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the premise. Tomorrow we get into Peter's great sermon at Pentecost. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given to us. I thank you for this technology. I pray your blessings on us. Pray that we would evaluate ourselves, that we would see what you're doing, that you are working. And Father, let us examine ourselves so that we would know we are right with you. Thank you, Father, for your love and for your mercy. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning. It should be available at 6 a.m. Um, I appreciate your uh, your patience with all this stuff. We're still working on something for Sunday morning. It won't be live, but um, some way to get the sermon up after the fact. We're working as hard as we can. So thank you for your patience in that. Now, um, I hope that you have a fantastic day, and Lord willing, we'll see you again soon.